So this year we need a time to rediscover what Christmas is all about, as Linus would ask us in one of my favorite Christmas movies. Is that your favorite movie too? One of your favorites? It's been a year like no other. We need some good news in troubling times. And is the ideal setting for some light and the perfect backdrop for the Savior to come. It's the perfect time to rediscover Christmas through Advent. Because no matter how troubling the times, no matter how heavy our hearts are, there is good news. Amen? And I think this year we are really going to find that out, out in a different and more powerful way than ever before as we look at the themes of Advent, of hope and peace and joy and love in a different way through the pages of the four gospel writers. Pastor McGray de Vega, who was actually the inspiration for us praying Psalm 91 back in the spring, in his book, Awaiting the Already, says that beginning of each gospel tells us something unique about Jesus' birth and about our faith. So let's look at the first one of those today. Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words that I say be acceptable, pleasing to you in a really hard time. What does Advent have to say to us? What does your birth, anticipating your birth, have to say during these dark days? Lord, speak your truth into these words this morning for all of us, both here and at home or wherever we might gather. In Jesus Christ's name, open our hearts to your message this morning. And the people of God, both here and at home, said, Amen. You remember Polaroid instant cameras? Raise your hand, remember Polaroid instant camera. Raise your hand if you had a Polaroid instant camera. Same people, there you go. Joy, you never had a Polaroid instant camera? Wow, okay. Oh, <laughs> Well, since they have them now, they're back again. You can't be too young because they're already back. But, whew, did you hear that at home? It was kind of spicy in here in the sanctuary. Joy is getting a little, she's getting a little rowdy here in the pews. Security? Security. They were, the, they were the thing when my parents first got one in the late 60s. And as I was growing up in the 70s, they were my dad's favorite camera. And before that, you actually had to wait to get your pictures and actually had to wait several days of getting them developed before you ever got them back. And the best thing about them was you only had to wait a couple of minutes to see your pictures. They were the first digital camera of their age. Of course, you also have a phone. This is an aside. You have a phone, and I guarantee you, most everybody has about a thousand pictures on it. They've never seen the light of day beyond your phone. Six thousand pictures. Nice joy. Joy went again. Six thousand pictures. You'll never print them out. You see, our culture has steadily removed the weight from everything. Well, up until March 2020, that is. Before that, though, we would invent just about anything to reduce how long we had to wait for something. And many times in doing that, we've also diminished those moments of richness 
and fullness that only come with anticipation. But there is something different about waiting for something like film to develop at Walgreens. You see, that experience, it carries a unique tension between the past and the future. I mean, between an event that has already taken place, you've already been in it, and an event in the future when you relive that event. After all, the event has already taken place and we lived it, but we are still eager to relive it, which is the reason we take the pictures in the first place, right? I mean, one of the top features and something I love is when Facebook and other social media remind us of our memories from our posts that even go back a decade or longer. Do you remember what you were doing on this day a decade or longer ago? Facebook does. If you've been on it that long. My Google Home pops up pictures that I have taken in the recent past and when I walk by the kitchen, I smile and I remember that moment. We're eager to get that picture from the Polaroid or developed at the drugstore or on your Facebook page because we want to see those memories in a fresh, new way. See, sometimes it may seem that maybe Advent is too complicated. Why do we have to spend four weeks pretending that Jesus has not yet been born when we know fully well that He has? Like I was thinking today, and we picked these songs, I'm thinking that, oh, come all you faithful, had absolutely nothing to do with Advent and is more about Christmas. Why did I choose this song in the first Sunday of Advent? There wasn't even hope of one word in it. It's that tension. And after all, as we go about our lives, beginning even earlier this year to spread the shopping season out for advertisers and retailers, which seemed to have worked really well. No place we went was busy. I mean, they were busy, but they weren't packed. Nobody killed each other for a television this year that I know of in any place around the country. Maybe they'll keep doing it. I don't know. They would want us to believe the Christmas season is already here. That it's right around the corner that Christmas Day, the big day, is there. So why prepare for something that has already happened? Well, maybe, just maybe, Advent is a lot like waiting for pictures to develop in the old days. Of all the seasons in the Christian year, as we start it once again, it is Advent that best highlights the tension between that past and that future. You see, Advent fills us with the hopeful anticipation in our present. And it is hope that we celebrate on this first Sunday. What a better place to start than hope. And when we journey to Bethlehem, it's not that we think Jesus has not been born. It's not just that we believe that Jesus will come again, though that's what Advent's about, both those things. It's about looking at those old photos we pull out from time to time or looking back on those memory posts. 
and allowing the past and present to amaze us again. In the present as if Jesus is arriving again for the very first time, as if Mary and Joseph are still waiting for what's about to happen. And so this time around, we'll be looking around through the eyes of all four of the gospel writers. Our photographers, who have assumed a different angle on the action, and selectively choosing what part of Jesus' birth that tells the story they want to tell the best. And Pastor McGray DeVega, as I mentioned earlier, in his book, Awaiting the Already, says that each gospel tells us something unique about our faith. He says that Mark would want us to slow down, turn around, prepare the way for Jesus. That Matthew would want us to confront rather than ignore the realities of this hurting world and to look for the Jesus who is already here. And that Luke would want us to sing songs of obedience and of praise and even of silence. Which we're kind of doing right now with some of the ways we have to still be sing praise. But we're not using our vocal cords. And then John would want us to see the light in the midst of our darkness and become a gift for others. So this first week of Advent, we want to look at the beginning of Mark and what he has to say about Jesus' birth. Now we learned back in our sermon series, Gospel Discipleship, that nothing in Mark moves slow. Mark's favorite word is immediately. And as I forgot to mention at the beginning, the version notes are back, so if you haven't pulled those up, you might want to pull those up because there is the notes. I'm back to those. I'm, in, I'm doing stuff again, so this is me. So those notes are all there, and that's one to fill in the blanks. As well as the last four you just did. Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John. You'll probably get those right. 41 times. Three times as much as the other Gospels combined. See, Mark is all about action more than teaching. It's the shortest gospel. It's probably the oldest. It's more than likely formed the basis for all the other gospels, even though it's not the first in order. So when we look at all four of the gospels, we have to start here and see what Mark says about the birth of Jesus. And it turns out that Mark says absolutely nothing. Mark says nothing about the birth of Jesus. Yep, nothing. Nada. Not a single word. Like the, ver- like the, whole, the whole thing goes, no, 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 no. The whole uh, commercial with all the clips. Nope, nada, not, not, no, nothing. It might seem odd that the earliest portrayal we have of Jesus' birth is blank. There are no angels. No shepherds, no mention of Mary or Joseph, no star, no manger. Instead, when we first meet Jesus in Mark's ninth verse, he's fully grown. 
So why do we include Mark's gospel in our four-story four-story portrait of his birth? Because it begins in a way that is quintessentially what Advent is all about. Mark begins with John the Baptist. You see, Matthew and Luke don't talk about him until chapter 3 of their Gospels. And John takes forever to introduce him. But Mark begins with the starter's pistol. A right out of the gate, straight in your face moment in the wilderness to get your attention. Because Mark wants your attention immediately. Sort of like that police officer you just went by and didn't realize it. So you look down at your speed, saw those blue lights light up behind you. They started to pull out, burning their tires. Came up on you fast, and you thought maybe it was somebody else, but it was you. They didn't pass by. They came right behind you and pulled you over. And that dreaded question came out of their mouth when they did that. Do you know how fast you were going, Louise Cole? It's not appropriate to do 90 and a 30, Louise, okay? In the school zone. That's bad. Very bad. How fast are you moving today? Even in the midst of this time. You see, John the Baptist comes on the scene as a voice crying out in the wilderness of these fast-paced times they're living in even then. And so like lights and sirens blaring in our rearview mirror, he gets us to pay our attention, to slow down, to change our behavior. And we might say we're not ready for God to break into our lives because we're too busy filling it with all the things the world tells us this season is about. Living in our self-made world, even now. Not much has changed out there except how we do things a little bit. All the same stuff, all the same level of busyness even. But haven't we learned over these months what's most important in this pandemic time? Many of you have told me about how your families are different now and how your lives are different and and how your pace is different. And what about this season? And then we think we're ready for Advent, so we turn the serene scenes of the stuff in Matthew and Luke. We love the placid scenes of hillside shepherds and starry nights and lowing cattle and a baby. We cling to these images just like we cling to our pictures, our photographs, because they offer us that nostalgia back to the days before life became so chaotic, so confusing. I'm scrolling back trying to find pictures of all of this from last year to kind of get a sense of you know, how to do things, you know, and... 
I'm scrolling back through because, you know, the first week of December is when my dad's service was. And I'd taken all these pictures of pictures from my parents' house of me when I was a kid. So I'd have them because I don't have them anywhere. And so now I was just scrolling through them when I was five years old with those Christmas gifts and when I was camping with my dad and all these different things that are happening through life. It's nostalgia. You know, I was six years old when I got the evil Knievel with the little thing that comes up like this. You know, it's back, it's back, Dan. You can go online right now, Dan, on Facebook. Have you seen it? And you can buy it. The exact same one. Watch evil Knievel spit out. Mark may not be the way we expect to start our Advent journey, but it's the way we need to start it. You see, John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling people to get ready for the Messiah to be baptized, to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins, to change our behavior, to ask for God's forgiveness, asking us to surrender to the mystery, the complexity, and the wonder of the Incarnation. God with skin on. And now while all of our Gospels include the story of John the Baptist, Mark highlights John's message in ways the others do not. Because two times in his introduction of John, Mark uses the word prepare in his quotation from Isaiah. Say prepare, both here and at home. Say prepare. Good, you're still awake. It's awesome. Behind the mask, you could, you could drift off. I'd never see you unless you fell over in your seats. And at home, I really can't tell. Except for some of you. I know you're sleeping. Wake up. Mark 1, 2-3. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make His path straight. Now, maybe you might want to take out your, our red pen and correct Mark's grammar. Some of you folks love to do that. <laughs> we love you, Harriet Griffith. For using the same word in two sentences back to back. But actually, the Greek word that Mark uses here for prepare is two different words. And that makes a difference. So I'll, I won't fault you for not knowing your Greek well enough to know that. The first word for prepare is a Greek word that means construct or create. That's also a fill in the blank. It's like building a vessel like Noah's Ark, or it's used when they built the tabernacle. Important vessels that are associated with God's deliverance and presence. In other words, Mark uses the first prepare to say to us, make yourself ready to be the vessel through which God's love can enter into humanity. Is that the kind of vessel you are? Ready to receive God's love into humanity? Is that the kind of vessel I am? And then how will John the Baptist call prepare people to be call people to be prepared? He will be the voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. That's the second prepare. It involves making something ready 
in anticipation of what will happen later on. It's a word that's often used in the New Testament for getting ready for the great heavenly future that God has for each one of us. For those who love and follow Him. He has prepared a place. Right? It's used in the sense of getting ready for a big event. You remember those? People would come over, you clean the house for company, you get food ready, you welcome your guests with the best. Our Epiphany Open House, which is going to be all online this year, and I'm going to walk you through every room and all this stuff. Maybe you missed that on the tour sometimes. So you're going to get a full tour, bless our house together, but it's not going to be the same as having a house full of people that we've just spent weeks getting ready for. But that's the kind of thing this word is. Get ready for a big event. But there is only one way that all four Gospels use this Greek word for prepare. They all four use this word to describe Jesus and the disciples' preparation for Passover and the Last Supper. It would be that sacred meal that Jesus would prepare His disciples for His death. Point them towards the future when all the mysteries of salvation will be revealed to them. It's a big deal. Still a big deal to us. It would be in remembrance of His sacrificial gift for the world. The disciples will be able to participate in His ongoing presence in the world, which we do whenever we take communion. Participating. And by calling us to prepare the way of the Lord through John the Baptist, Mark challenges us to change our hearts and lives and make ourselves ready to receive Jesus. Because John the Baptist calls us to adopt hearts and lives that are characterized by a desire to follow Jesus. A willingness to suffer for Him on account of Him and a hope in the glorious future life that He has promised. So what does Mark do in this first few verses of his Advent story? He tells us to prepare to make ourselves ready as homes to receive Jesus and prepare and participate in Jesus' life and death and resurrection. But while Mark is the only one to use the word prepare twice, at the beginning of his disciple, of his gospel, say prepare. Very good, still with me. Here is what all the gospel writers agree on when they quote Isaiah 43, which is what is being quoted by John the Baptist. That the best way to prepare for the arrival of Jesus is to make our past straight. To make our paths straight. Proverbs 4, 25-27 tells us how to live the right and straight kind of life. It says this, Focus your eyes straight ahead. Keep your gaze on what is in front of you. Watch your feet on the way, especially those of you who like to stumble. And all your paths will be secure. Don't deviate a bit from the right or the left. 
and turn your feet away from evil. In other words, if you want to prepare a way for Jesus that leads to true, abundant, and holy living, then your path must be a straight line. Amen? That's how it works. That's what John the Baptist is trying to get across to everyone who is coming before him. But this is easier said than done, isn't it? Most of the time we are prone to going the wrong way. Amen? We're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Left on our own, we simply can't walk a straight line. I mean, really. We can't walk a straight line. That's a conclusion that Robert Colrich, science correspondent for NPR, came to after talking to Jan Sozman, a scientist from Germany who has studied the phenomena. Jan blindfolded the subjects and then asked them to walk for an hour in a straight line. Now imagine you doing this. Absolutely no one could do it. Of course, everybody thought they were walking in a straight line until they removed their blindfolds and they saw their crooked paths. According to all the research, after almost a century, there is only one way that you can walk in a straight line. Only one way. Do you want to know what it is? You do? Okay, Shelly said she wanted to know, so I'll tell the rest of you. According to the research, the one way is by focusing on something ahead of us, like a building, a landmark, a mountain. If we can fix our eyes on something ahead of us, we can make ourselves avoid the normally crooked path. Does that help, Shelly? Now, that seems like pretty good advice, As we start Advent, doesn't it? If you want to walk in a straight line, prepare your path to receive Christ again, then stop focusing on yourself, stop looking at the ground, and definitely don't turn around and see where you've come from. The only way to walk in a straight line is to focus on the one who is ahead of you. Amen? It's the only way. We can't look back. We can't look back even over this year. Looking back, just, uh, it's horrible. Don't, just, ugh. These memories are going to pop up in like a couple of years and we're going to be like going, oh my gosh, I'm so glad it's not like that anymore. We have to look ahead to the one who is ahead of us, leading us. If you can fix your eyes on Jesus, then you can avoid the crooked course and keep turning away from God. I don't know about you, but usually this time of year is a crazy and busy time for me. (laughs) Getting to this point right now to this day was crazy and busy as it was. Most years we're so caught up in checking off our Christmas gift lists, attending our or hosting parties, being so caught up in the tinsel and the trappings and the merry and the bright of the season that we forget the best and most effective way of preparing for Christmas starts first with preparing for it in our hearts. But maybe, just maybe, COVID Christmas is giving us a gift beyond price. 
a chance to set our hearts straight. Ask God to reveal to us everything in our wayward lives. That's the central message of Mark's beginning. No angels, no shepherds, no mention of Mary and Joseph, nothing we would expect to find in any Christmas play or pageant. Instead, there is a voice crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make His path straight. Let's say that together both here and at home. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make His path straight. One more time. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make His path straight. It may not sound like much of a Christmas but it sure does sound a whole like what Advent's supposed to be. The thrill of hope can only come from waiting. So everyone here and everyone at home, welcome to Advent. Let's await the already together step by step. And let's discover Christmas and the Advent journey in the Gospel of Mark. Amen. And so as we've been doing and and, and we keep doing it and I thought about stopping it and I thought, well, there's no reason to stop it. We're going to recite Psalm 91 in our hearts together today. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the virus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear, all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. Pay protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, and my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. Pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust in you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. And everybody both here and at home said together. So we, as I wrote in the email, chose this theme. I was looking at these things and they said love came down at Christmas and Christmas is all about Jesus and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, those are all things that I believe, of course. But this one really struck me when I was picking all the things out for your bags. Believe. We're going to need to believe more than we've ever believed during this season. And the back of the bag says, everything is possible for one who believes. That's the message I want all of us here and at home to think about every time you look at these bags, every time you pull your, look at your ornament on your tree, every time you do all the other things, the little, these are my favorite, the little advent, pieces. you got one of these because they're my favorite. If you don't like them, well, that's too bad. I love the little door to advent calendars. I've grown up these my entire life. 
Sometimes they had chocolate behind them, but you didn't get one of those. I know, I know. But there's probably some really good things that are in here, some great messages and things you'll find in that. And I hope that no matter what you get out of this sermon series, what you get out of these weeks of Advent, is that you can believe. Here, at home, no matter where you are, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And really, in that, from each other. So Dana and Mary are going to give us a a treat of a song that if you listen to the words of, may inspire you today. the big exodus out of Egypt. Um, Yes, so. But it has a beautiful message um, of hope. So I thought it would be, well, we thought it would be good for today.
to hear these words of encouragement. On this first Sunday of Advent, it signifies the hope people felt in their hearts for the promised Messiah to lead them out of dark and hard times. We all have one of those days, weeks, or years. As we begin this Advent season, let's spend the next seven days rediscovering the hope in our hearts that Jesus continues to bring to our world. And when uncertainty surrounds us, the promise of Christ that fills us with hope to carry on. Remember, all that is fulfilled in Jesus. Express your desires to Him for this season. And place your hope in the light of the world who was a baby born in Bethlehem and who is coming again. And everybody both here and at home said, Amen. Please stand and join me in minimally singing Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Space out, you'll be fine. Good to see you.